This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. It's the biggest investment any individual or family will ever make. It is, for many of us, part of achieving that American dream. What is it? It's home ownership. Earlier this year, Wells Fargo announced its African American Home Ownership Commitment. The goal? Create at least 250,000, yes, a quarter million homeowners over the next 10 years with a number of goals. And here to talk with us about that and some of the other things that Wells Fargo is doing in the African American community to increase the number of African American homeowners is Hugh Rowden. He is a senior vice president and head of mortgage market outreach at Wells Fargo. I ran into you, Hugh, at a lunch not too long ago and said, it has been a while since you'd been on the program to talk about what you guys were doing in the community. And look at this, you were hiding a big secret in plain sight. In a secret, I just we just hadn't had the opportunity to connect lately. So before we get into the specifics of this particular initiative, why don't we look at the big picture and and where are we with respect to home ownership? What is the status of the housing market today? Uh, is it a good? Who, it's, usually, it's either a good time to buy or a good time to sell. My spidey sense says it's a good time for both. It is a good time for both. But let's just kind of talk about what's happened over the last few years. As you know, we've come out of a housing crisis. There were many people who uh, were really struggling to keep their homes. And when I was here last, we spent a lot of time talking about helping homeowners who were in distress. And now the market has changed. Uh, but there's some headwinds and some challenges in the market overall. And this is just not for here in Atlanta, but this is also nationally. So if you think about home ownership, at the peak, 2006 timeframe, mm-hmm. home ownership was just over 69%. As of the second quarter this year, home ownership is 63.7%. So you can see, I mean, there's been a significant pullback in the number of homeowners that we have here in the United States. Let's break that down a little more for us. Yes. White homeowners, the home ownership rate is just over 73%. Asian homeowners, it's just under 50%, 47% or so. Hispanic home ownership is right behind the Asian homeowner rate, and it's at 46%. African-American home ownership is at 43%. So mm-hmm. you can see that African-American home ownership is 20 points behind the national home ownership rate today, and the national home ownership rate is at a 50-year low. 73, well, the, no, the, the national homeownership rate, which you said is 69% right now. Well, at the peak, it was 69%. Okay. And, and now, currently, it's 63.7%. And that's a 50-year low? And that is a 50-year low. And African-Americans are still 20% behind that. We're still lagging behind. Why is that? Well, there are several different challenges. It can be pointed back to family structures. It can be, I mean, there are a lot of things that you can get into, which are all anecdotal, and I don't think any of them are really proven. Uh, we face a lot of challenges as African-American families and, uh, that some of the other uh, segments of the population don't, don't struggle with. How much money these days is required to get into a home? Does it still take 20% to get in, or can you get in for less than that? So I'm going to uh, adjust your statement slightly there because okay. I think it's important. The myth to home ownership, regardless to who you are, 
Uh, the myth is that um, it would take 20% down to buy a home, and, and that is incorrect. Um, you can get into a home with as little as 3% down. But it is important to the lender that the potential homeowner has some skin in the game. It is important to the lender, absolutely. Which is part of the problem, which is part of the reason why there was such a problem when there was the downturn, because there were, there were lenders who were allowing people in the game with no money down. Well, actually, that was part of the problem, but that wasn't all the problem. The real problem was in people making decisions to refinance out of an affordable, sustainable mortgage for other products. And that's what really drove a lot of the housing crisis. If you think about home equity and how home equity grew over the years, you had a lot of people who were doing cash out refinances to do other things. Such and, as and what, go on driver. vacation, travel, buy other stuff? What were, what were people all, doing? All of the above. So they were cashing out for lifestyle is what you're saying? Cashing out for lifestyle. That's a big mistake, isn't it? It is a mistake. I mean, it happens, but it's about making good, sound decisions. And so, um, you know, that's just, it, you can't say it's, it's just not a good thing to do uh, because it may be the right thing to do if you're in the right situation, but we want to make sure that people who do that do it with a product that's sustainable and allows for a long-term view of home ownership as opposed to a short-term gain. Okay, so a few minutes ago you said there were a number of challenges that keep African Americans from becoming first-time homeowners. I know some of those, I think, are probably systemic and historic, but in 2017, what are some of the barriers that would keep somebody from trying to get that first house today? Yeah, so a few of the barriers that I think are really important, sometimes credit. So credit, and that's why we work so closely with certified housing counselors uh, to help people get prepared for home ownership and address budgeting and managing money. And, and that, that's a challenge across all different races, um, but it, with the African-American population, it is a significant challenge. One of the other challenges is that uh, the actual cost of housing since, um, and so this is a Wells Fargo statistic that, 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 we, that we like to share. So for the first time since 2006, the number of households has, that are renters has eclipsed the number of households that are buying homes. And let's talk about why that has happened, the cost of housing. And this is among all residents. This is among all residents. So the cost of housing has increase significantly. So just think about here in Atlanta. Where do you go to get affordable housing? You have to move further out into the suburbs. Why? Because the center of the city has rebounded more than what has happened out in the suburbs. Where are jobs? Most jobs are within the city of Atlanta. So this creates uh, challenges um, in affordability which has also pushed more owners into um, other forms of housing for, and renting is one of those. And we're not only talking about renting in multifamily units such as an apartment, but you're talking about people who just rent houses. People that rent houses too. So how do you turn that around? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a difficult balance that you have to do. And, and so let me, let me kind of talk about the five things that we're focused on in order to uh, to face the challenges that we have right now. Okay. Number one, we've already talked about um, there being a challenge with uh, growing uh, diverse homeowners. And so 
one of the things that we understand that we have to do is that we need to make sure that we mirror the communities that we serve. And mirroring the communities that we serve, what we mean by that is that our loan officers, our home mortgage consultants that work for Wells Fargo, we want to make sure that they represent the communities that we're in. And so we've seen an increase in our diverse homeowners, or excuse me, in our diverse home mortgage consultants. We've seen it go up from 26.6% to 30.9% through 2016. That took us, in order to get there, we had to have a significant growth in um, the number of home mortgage consultants that we hired that were African-American and then also Hispanic as well. Because potential borrowers are probably more comfortable, I would say, sitting down with someone who looks like them to talk about something that is so important. And when you start talking about finances, intensely personal. Absolutely. Yeah. So mirroring the communities is the number one goal that we have to focus on. All right. The number two thing that we focus on is being present in the markets that we serve. So just like the opportunity to come here today and speak with you and your listeners, it's important to make sure that we're being present in the communities we serve, that we're showing up, that we're um, marketing in the right places, that we're, um, that we're sharing and connecting in, in the right places. We can't do this by ourselves, so that really takes me to the third goal. And the third goal is continuing to develop partnerships with key stakeholders and influencers. When we rolled this out, when we rolled out our African-American lending commitment, which we'll get back to talking about in just a few minutes, there were a couple key partners that we knew we needed to focus on uh, partnering with. Mm -hmm. The National Association of Real Estate Brokers. It is the largest minority trade real estate organization that we already partner with in our day-to-day work. But we knew that in order to grow home ownership in the African-American population, we needed to partner with, and we refer to them as NARAB. And so the industry refers to them as NARAB. All right. The other thing that we knew is that we needed to have great partners who do financial education work in the National Urban League was one of those partners that we partnered with because they do a great job in counseling homeowners. They do a great job in uh, workforce development, uh, you know, which can also be a challenge as well. And so the National Urban League uh, is a already a strategic partner, but we knew that we needed to be really intentional with them. We also knew that we needed to partner with groups like the NAACP. Now, their mission is different than sometimes a bank's mission. And, but there, we do have a lot of common connections and, and that's helping people who, um, you know, may have been left behind. And so partnering with them is, was, was also important. So it comes down to products and programs. And one of the things that we did last year was we rolled out a program earlier. You talked about the percent down that a person had to put down. So last year we rolled out a portfolio loan program and it's called Your First Mortgage. Your First Mortgage allows for uh, more flexible credit guidelines. It allows for a 3% down payment. Now, what you didn't hear me say is it allowed for a low credit score, but you know, families are different now. The way families are structured, and so it has a lot of great features that um, where multiple people are able to, um, uh, to, to collaborate in, in, when, when buying a home. So. Um, your first mortgage is an example of products. The, the next and final things that we have to do is we have to continue to develop an advancing housing policy focus that increases access to credit. 
And simply what that means is that we need to make sure that we're spending time with um, regulators, with investors, and, um, and, and w- to show them what we see, make sure that we understand what they're seeing uh, in order to create greater access to credit. So again, be present in the market. Um, we want to make sure that, we're, uh, that we mirror the communities we serve. We want to make sure that we're developing partnerships. We want to focus on products. And then we want to make sure that we're paying attention to housing policy. So we've talked a bit around it, and I'm sure that there are listeners just like me listening to you now. When you talk about credit and credit score and how important that is for anything an individual does, but so significant when it comes to purchasing that first home, where in the ballpark should somebody be before they even think about talking to one of the diverse lenders who is working at Wells Fargo? There's there's just not a, a, a blanket answer to that. So it, the day of... You need to have a credit score of eight hundred, perfect. Of perfect credit score, you may have non-traditional credit sources, so you may not have a very robust credit history, or you may have no credit history. The great thing about the product like Your First Mortgage is it allows us to look at non-traditional um, sources of credit, taking a look at how you pay your rent. That is a form. Uh, taking a look at how utilities are paid, taking a look at how you pay your cell phone bill. So there are other sources of um, credit that you can look at in order to help build that profile. Uh, So utility bills, rent, et cetera. So it doesn't necessarily have to be installment credit at a department store or a major bank credit card or anything like that. It, it doesn't In this, for this particular program, yeah. you're looking at other things. Yeah, but here's what's, what's important for listeners to understand is yes. that no credit doesn't mean that I had bad credit. And, and now, because I don't have a credit history, the bad credit is a thing of the past. Now, what it means is that you don't, if you don't have a credit history at all, then we can then go to use other non-traditional sources. Very good. We're talking to Hugh Rowden. He's a senior vice president and the head of mortgage market outreach with Wells Fargo. Earlier this year, they announced and launched this huge initiative whereby in the next 10 years, they'd like to see a growth in the number of African-American homeowners of 250,000. Hugh, let's talk a little bit more about that. How how are you going to do that? Well, first of all, let me tell you, that's a big number. That's why I said, <laughs> how are you going to do that? Yeah. That's a big number. <laughs> Nationwide, that's a big number. That is a big number. So it's going back to the strategies that we talked about. We have to represent the communities we serve. We have to be present. We have to focus on products. Uh, we have to uh, focus on policy. It, there's not one small answer. And then we also need to make sure that we're partnering with other stakeholders, as I shared, you know, Urban League. Um, not, and, and I just don't want to say the Urban League and single them out as a nonprofit, but working with nonprofit housing counselors to help get people ready for homeownership is critical in this process. I want to talk a little bit about the black community and some of the challenges that, well, not necessarily challenges, but misperceptions that might exist among African-Americans when it comes to getting a house, getting that first home. You don't know what you don't know until you realize that you don't know it. So talk to us about the lack of knowledge with respect to the home buying process, basic things that people need to know if they're interested. So 
every year, uh, well, over the last three years, we did a home ownership study. And in that home ownership study, the African-American population showed up best in that by saying, yes, we are interested uh, in buying homes. We want to buy homes and showed up better than uh, all of the other demographic groups out there because we did scale to make sure that we were uh, speaking with the um, Hispanic population, making sure that we were looking at gender um, uh, from a slice standpoint. So um, the African-American population said, yes, home ownership is important to us. So it's one thing. Yes, it's important. Everyone wants to own a home. It's it's one of the few reasons why on your income taxes every year you have a deduction that helps. It's it's but again, you don't know what you don't know until you realize that you didn't know it. So if there were three basic things someone listening to us right now needed to know if they were interested in getting ready to be a candidate for your your first mortgage program, what would those three things be? The first thing is to understand your financial picture. Um, you need to be able to understand what you can afford and what you can't. And, and this is where housing counseling um, can play a big part. You need to understand your credit worthiness. Where do you, where, where do you, where do you sit as it relates to your credit? Are you, um, you know, there's some people who are early on and, and have never bought a home and, and they may have never looked at their credit. There's some that pay attention to their credit report with all the different tools that are out there nowadays that, that look at their credit report every day. So really understanding your credit. And then the last piece is understanding what, what's your goals? What are your, what are your long-term goals? Are you looking to stay in that home? Is that a home where you're raising your family, where you're going to be forever? So those are three of the things that I'd say that you really need to stop and, and take a look at. Now, this goes back more than 30 years, but there was, in fact, before Wells Fargo expanded into the metropolitan Atlanta area, but there was a Pulitzer Prize winning series of stories back in the 80s about a process in Atlanta called redlining, which was one that kept African-Americans from buying homes, not only in neighborhoods where African-Americans were allowed to buy homes, but even in other neighborhoods. Now, we're told that that process doesn't exist anymore, but still, we remember our history. So how do you confront the mistrust that some in the community may have towards banks? Yeah, building trust is is always a, a tip or, or, or a challenging thing when you work for a financial institution. And really, that's what my role is all about at Wells Fargo. My job is to make sure that we're doing things that keep people in homes. It's part of the community outreach piece that we do things that stabilize communities, and then that we're doing things so that we're lending equitably across all demographics. And so this commitment that we're talking about today, the African-American Lending Commitment, is just one of those examples of the types of things that we do at Wells Fargo to, um, to help make sure that we're lending equitably. Before we rolled out the African-American Lending Commitment, we haven't talked at all about that, is that we rolled out a Hispanic Lending Commitment. Hmm about 18 months prior to that. How many homes in how many years? And so that that, that, that one's a little different. So uh, the, the goal for that one is it's a $125 million lending commitment for the for the Hispanic lending commitment over 10 years as well. And and then we're, um, we're going to do $10 million. Uh, we're going to invest $10 million to nonprofits and other um, stakeholders that help support uh, doing that work. So it's a $125 million commitment. That's outstanding. Yes. So at what point do you all begin to see success and, and beyond 
putting families in all of those houses. What does success look like to Wells Fargo? So let's right now, because we just rolled out this lending commitment for the African-American population, we just rolled it out in February, at the end of February. So it's too early to really start to take a look at quantifying what the goals are. Let's talk about the Hispanic lending commitment. So since 2016, when we rolled out the commitment, we were able to create 44,000 families to become homeowners. So this was more than one point, and we have more than one point, we've invested more than 1.5 million uh, to homebuyer education and counseling incentives. And we've seen a 16.2% growth in Hispanic lending professionals within our, uh, within our team. So when you get intentional and you go out and you put a commitment out there like Wells Fargo did, our leaders um, are more focused on helping to achieve the goal. And we're the only company that I'm aware of that has put lending commitments out there for um, two of the communities that um, are at the bottom of the spectrum, as we talked about earlier, with our with homeownership percentages. So clearly the leadership at Wells Fargo believes this this commitment in the African-American and Hispanic communities is a growth opportunity business-wise for the bank, but it sounds as if you also believe it is the right thing to do. You're absolutely right. It, uh, it fits into our uh, corporate social responsibility uh, work. Um, you have to take care of people who are outside the boundaries. And it's clear that homeownership for African-Americans and also for the Hispanic population are far outside the boundaries. We need to we need to do some work there, and that's why um, uh, th- that's part of the reason why we did this lending commitment. But here's something that I also want to tell you, uh, Condis, is that Wells Fargo is already the number one lender to minorities um, across the United States, whether it's Asian, African American, Hispanic. Wells Fargo is already the number one lender there. But when you see the disparity in what's happening in housing and you know that there are challenges with the groups that are lagging behind, then you want to be intentional in coming up with a way to help. That builds trust. Reaching out and investing in things that are important to help move people along in their financial journey, um, those types of things are important and help build trust. It must be quite exciting for you to get out and tell this story and encourage people to do the research on themselves, connect with the programs and the people that Wells Fargo is investing in to help the organization achieve these goals and to watch it as it goes from something small into something that you hope will be large and most successful. As an African-American leader for Wells Fargo, it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a pride point. It's a pride point to see what we're doing and how we're doing it. I know my family Um, My parents only owned one home for a very brief period of time. My father was in the military, so we moved on to the next place. But um, knowing that home ownership is a foundation to uh, building wealth, uh, to stability, and to to so many other things that come as a result of being stable in in one place, um, it, it, it means the world to me. Send us to a website where listeners can get some more information on all the things that you guys are doing and figuring out how to plug in and, and take advantage of some of the benefits that are available. Yeah. So if consumers are interested in, in hearing more about the commitments or um, in buying a home or other financing options, I'm going to give you an 800 number first. That's great. The 800 number, one 800 
771-3476. There are a couple other ways because we have uh, Wells Fargo team members and home mortgage consultants that are spread out all over the United States. You can visit one of your nearest Wells Fargo bank Branches, Branches, just go walk in and say hi. You can walk in and say, hey, I'm interested in in learning more about mortgage, and and they will get you connected to their mortgage resource. Or you can go to wellsfargo.com slash mortgage. Hugh Rowden, Senior Vice President, Head of Mortgage Market Research at Wells Fargo. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, MyAndalusCondo29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.